Podcast of Ice and Fire, episode 117 for the week of August 18th, 2013. Welcome back, listeners, to yet another episode of the Podcast of Ice and Fire. We are the longest-running um, and miraculously award-winning podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire series, and we are the proud bannermen of House Manwoody from Kingsgrave Dorn. As always, this is Mimi. And this is Kyle. And that's it. We are having a very private and intimate podcast tonight, y'all. Ooh, I've got the candles lit. <laughs> it's just me and Kyle and all that sexual tension. Ooh, cut it like a, with a knife. <laughs> to clarify, the sexual tension is between you and the listeners. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say me and my left hand, but you know, that's unknown. <laughs> I mean, I think the listeners are with me. Did y'all see him in that suit at the Kiki Awards? Ooh, you know, that was the first tailored suit. I, I mean, that was his first suit I've ever gotten tailored in my life. So I felt like a big boy. <laughs> you looked like a big boy. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Hot. I was like, he's going to show up in like a little comic book shirt. And- <laughs> Here, Here's the weird thing. I was desperately trying to find... Um, I knew I wouldn't be able to find a Song of Ice and Fire button, but I, so I was trying to find a Game of Thrones button to put on my lapel. There was like a ban on Game of Thrones merchandise during the off-season in Los Angeles. What? I went everywhere. I went to Target. I went to Hot Topic. I went to all the comic book stores like Meltdown Comics, Golden Apple, all over the place. All these different uh, gift shops and everything. I couldn't find one of them. And if I had planned ahead, I could have ordered one online. But unfortunately, I planned the night before. So... <laughs> That didn't turn out so well, but I couldn't find a button. I was so mad. That's crazy. I assumed they would be everywhere. And also, I'm really offended that you went to Hot Topic, and now I feel like we can't be friends anymore. Oh, well, I fig- come on. They got Game of Thrones stuff. Do they really? Do you not want me to support Hot Topic? Do we have a boycott on Hot Topic? We have a boycott on Hot Topic. Didn't you because- grow up on Hot Topic, Mimi? Uh, because we are no longer 14 years old. Ah, the goth Mimi rebels. Don't even, we don't talk about that anymore. That's not a thing. Um, Pictures will emerge online. Oh, it hasn't been a, a Mimi and Kyle night since, like, what, season one of the show or something, right? <laughs> yeah, that was such a weird night because we were like, we're going to do the recording with everyone else, but let's just get together and talk about it real fast. <laughs> no, 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 no. You said that. You were like, Kyle, I need to talk about this. Get on Skype right now. Why did we end up recording that? <laughs> Why? Because uh, I record every conversation I have with you. Ooh, that's no good. It's <laughs> a lot of blackmail right there. You know it. You have no idea what I'm going to be doing once I get all this compiled. <laughs> Finding pictures of me and Hot Topic and publicizing our sex chat. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a while, and I, I think that's the only other time that we've had a You and Me podcast, but you and Amin have done a lot of talking back and forth, so hopefully I can live up to, uh, to his expertise. I think you'll do all right. I think you'll do good. It's, I'm kidding. I, I never could. But, um, <laughs> I mean, well, you know all the knowledge. You've read all the chapters we're going to be doing today, right? All of them and notes. <laughs> Copious amounts of notes. But first... Um, the thing, like, I usually want to do, like, a news segment. Uh, there's never any news, but I'm always checking George's live journal, hoping that one day he'll write an entry about me. <laughs> he hasn't yet. One of these yeah. days, he'll write about the queen of the podcasters. Well, I figure at least somebody would be like, what's up, this podcast about your books maybe recently won something, but... Um, 
Well, since I didn't thank him and I ruined a Jets game for him, he really hates me now. Way to go, Mike. That's me. I did read his live journal and discover that he is coming to Texas and he's going to Lone Star Con 3, which is not a convention I had ever heard of before, but apparently it's the World Science Fiction Convention. And um, every time I hear that he's coming down to Texas, I get so excited. I'm like getting all of my books ready to be signed. And have you... then I find out that it's in San Antonio, which is like the asshole of Texas. Like... <laughs> Sorry to all the San Antonio fans out there. There's no San Antonio fans. Actually, San Antonio's not that bad. I went there for my birthday last year. Really good food. Um, but anyway. That's good. I don't think I'd be able to trek down there for the convention. But it looks cool. I mean, he's there for like a million days. Have you met him yet? No. You still haven't? No, Jeez. you're the only person who has. No, that's not I mean, true. Like, not in the world, but of the podcast. <laughs> I'm the only person in the world. Um, Ashley and Amin haven't met him? I, I could have sworn one of them had. I don't think so. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. I feel like if they had, we would have discussed it to death. Interesting. So, it's just you. Interesting. But anyway, um, so I think that's that's about it so far. And then something about the limited edition Amazon box set of uh, season three of Game of Thrones has a dragon on it. Is it the same dragon? Uh, oh, wait, you're saying season three box. Yes. So obviously the show. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the show. So it's the same logo that they premiered the season with, I'm imagining. Is it? Have you taken a look at it? Is it gray with like the black dragon shadow? Uh, no. It's like it's the dragon is like sculpted onto it or something like oh oh i did see that very briefly yes it's just stuck on there interesting yeah it's it's 104 dollars Woo! what do you get with it you get obviously the season you get a dragon does it come with uh artwork what is it does it say um the collectible also contains a hidden compartment which houses the complete third season. So it just seems like a fancy box. <laughs> <laughs> you actually have to solve a puzzle before you can watch the show. You have to figure out how to open the thing. It may take you weeks before you can watch the season. I was really excited to hear that there would be a hidden compartment, but it's not really hidden if it's got the actual thing that you bought inside it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I bought the... There's going to be a lot of people returning the item and being like, I can't find the product I just bought. <laughs> Like, oh, it's in the hidden compartment right over here, you know. And I guess what they did right now is an artist rendering, so it's not what it's actually going to look like. Oh, okay. Yeah. I gotcha. I hope it looks totally different and goofy as shit. <laughs> and, well, uh, Game of Thrones news. I mean, there's been a couple castings since last we've, uh, since last we've talked. Uh, Indira Varma, who I haven't heard of before, but she was cast as Ilaria Sand. This is all courtesy of winneriscoming.net, just so you guys know. You should definitely check that site out. Everyone's checked that side out. But yes, very pretty girl who, let's see, what else has she done? She was on Rome. She was on HBO's Rome. She played uh, Niobe, Niobe. I didn't watch Rome. I did not either. She's, she's actually, she's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah. She's appeared in Bones, Luther, and Human Target as well. So, she will be the lovely paramour to the Red Viper. It's really interesting because it didn't feel like Ilaria Sand had much of a focus. No, it didn't. But she comes to town with, with the Red Viper. So I oh, imagine. Oh, that's right. So she's only in one episode, right? Well, it depends on how many times the Red Viper shows up, right? Because she stays in court. She's there for all of it, doesn't she? Oh, that's right. Yeah, she uh, she witnesses 
yeah. end of that. So. so that'll definitely be, she'll certainly be uh, an emotional tie to everything that happens with the Red Viper. Because otherwise it's just some com- guy coming into town we don't care about. But if he has uh, emotional investment with other characters and whatnot, I think uh, that's good for from a writing standpoint. Really enjoyed that they hired a woman of color. Nice. Nice. We've got a couple other castings as well. We have um, one who uh, my internet seems to be running really slow and I can't find, uh, but it was Mace Tyrell. Did you see that one? It was Mace Tyrell is going to be played by Roger Ashton Griffith. And he looks like he's going to be the big oaf that the Queen of Thorns always calls him. It makes sense because Mace Tyrell is a bit oafy. Uh, I didn't think he would look as oafy as this. <laughs> he is too oafy. Yeah, yeah, definitely a little, little goofy looking. Um, I never thought of Mace Tyrell being done by like a character actor or anything. You know, just, mm. just a slightly chubby man. Yeah, that I pictured, but like I always pictured Mace Tyrell as somebody who took himself very seriously, but no one else mm-hmm. did. And this right. character seems like someone who kind of, uh, who knows he's sort of a joke. But I mean, as an actor, who knows what he's going to pull off? So that's going to be good for him. I guess we'll see. I hope they give him like you know, some really sweet makeup. <laughs> and Any other yes, there's the a very interesting one just came up that Tommen has been recast. What? Yes, Tommen has been recast by Dean Charles Chapman, and which is which is very interesting because this kid has actually already played someone. In Game of Thrones. Was it Hot Pie? No, it was not Hot Pie. <laughs> I no. want to see Hot Pie repurposed with a blonde wig. They're not going that old with Tommen. Come on. With a blonde wig, yes. <laughs> no, this kid, he already played um, Martin Lannister, who was imprisoned and killed by the Karstarks last season. He was uh-huh. one of the two kids. Do you think some diehard fan who hasn't read the books is going to be confused? Like that kid died. I don't know. Back. Well, chances are they'll put him. Yeah, they'll they'll dye his hair. They'll give him some sort of blonde wig or to match um, to match Joffrey. So I don't know how confused they'll get, but I imagine some people are going to be like, "Wait a minute, is this a new theory?" Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like Tommen is a faceless man. I feel like that's what they're going for. Hmm. <laughs> Tommen or Martin. You know? There's going to be a scene where he's with Marjorie, and he's like. Hey, I'm going to confess a secret to you. Whoop, and his face just changes. <laughs> um, but I wonder why they replaced him. Uh, maybe the kid wasn't, uh, maybe he wasn't growing up fast enough, which seemed always, seemed, I, I, I don't know, this is total theory. But um, unlike the other kids, like like Bran, who's growing up too fast, maybe Tommen wasn't growing and the whole stretching reality between the tiny, like, tiny little Tom and kid and Marjorie uh, would have been too much. I don't know. Or maybe the kid was a terror to work with. To- remember, just making this up. I have no idea. Total theories. <laughs> um, so who knows? I mean, there could have been a multitude of reasons, but... What the hell old he is? Uh, let's see. Maybe this will take me to his IMDb. And he was born in... I have no clue. His age was not on there. Yeah, it must be, must be under 18 if they're hiding his age. Uh, well, yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem I always have when I'm looking up hot girls. I mean, they never have their age. What's going on? No. Nor their education. 
Um, but yeah, I guess I'm, I don't know. I guess that could be the case. I hadn't considered that the ultra creep factor of seeing like this tiny little baby with this yeah. full grown Natalie Dormer. So, and that certainly works in the books because you know it just it just is really creepy. But in, it's not that creepy in the books though because you don't like, think so. No, Marjorie marries Tommen, but I really just feel like she's just being like a mother or sister figure to him. It's like I feel like especially marriage and and sex can be so far removed from each other in the books, and that's not something the TV show accomplishes hmm. or manages to translate. But I feel like when people get married in Song of Ice and Fire, that's just like a thing that you do because your parents told you to. Like, yeah. That's very I mean, true. It's just like it's just you stand up there with somebody and, you know, have this little ceremony and nothing it doesn't it doesn't really reflect you know it's not like you develop a personal life because of it it's just exactly. it's an alliance is it, all it is exactly and so i really just you know when marjorie married tommen it was not like a weird thing to me it just kind of made sense that they would stick her with the more docile lannister um <laughs> and then also like she was just gave him kittens and stuff like <laughs> seems like a sweet deal for tommen and pretty sweet for marjorie because nobody's touching on her you know <laughs> And you get kittens. Congratulations. I would just like to be in a marriage where somebody just gave me fuzzy, adorable puppies all day long and, like, left me alone. You should totally marry into, um, you should find the youngest youngest son of a rich household that made their money off of breeding cats. And then uh, you can form an alliance with them, Mimi. Man, I'm allergic to cats. Oh, well, um, puppies then. Maybe we can talk. <laughs> That's much better. No, but hell, I'd, uh, yeah, uh, if I were mad- married to Natalie Dormer, I, I, I don't think I'd settle for just cats. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah I, I guess the creep factor doesn't really come through in a lot of things in, in the books. Uh, a creep factor definitely comes through in the first chapter we're reviewing today, though. Yes, and why don't we get right to that then? Oh, wait, no, no, there's more news. Sorry to ruin your segue, Mimi. Sorry to ruin your segue. You'll never give me a fluid transition. No, that sounds really nasty, but no. Um, (laughs) I wanted to talk to you and ask you if you had read the... um, The the excerpt from The Princess and the Queen. No. Okay. George has written new stuff. In in the world of ice and fire, and um, it has uh, it's from a anthology called Dangerous Women. He always loves to do these anthology things. He uh, George is editing it, and he's co-editing it. And today, an excerpt from The Princess and the Queen, or The Black and the Greens. I guess he hasn't come up with a title. I'm not quite sure. Um, but it is story George has written about the Targaryen civil war, or better known as the Dance of the Dragons. And the way it's written different than all of his previous words, it's actually written as an account um, by Archmaester Gil- Gildane, I think you say his name is. So it's uh, so it's not like a first-hand account or anything. It's a it's an Archmaester actually recounting the the events. And I haven't read it either, but uh, I thought it was pretty cool that there's new stuff out there. It's Do not. Do you want to read it together at the end of this episode? Read it together and then talk about it. Mm-hmm. All right. How big is it? Oh, oh, oh excuse me. Um, <laughs> it's not that long. Okay. It's fairly short. So. All right. Yeah. So at the end, we should take a break and read it, and then uh, have uh, immediate reaction. I think that sounds like a great idea. Fantastic. I, I thought he was doing a Dunkin' Egg. 
Well, he's got he's working that as well, um, but apparently he's got this happening at the same time. So he's got a whole bunch of projects going on, as if people didn't hate him enough for not focusing on the books. I love it though because I can imagine him starting to write something and you know wins, and then thinking, "Oh, this would make a better like fully fleshed backstory." Absolutely, and absolutely. I think it would actually be really cool. You know, I assume this is going to be published first. And then, um, yeah, it's December 3rd, obviously. So if it comes out and you read, like, diehard fans, read this, like, little, you know, history that he's written for this anthology, and then we go and read Wins and their references to it, I think it really just helps complete, you know, Mm. what we're looking at. It would be really amazing if it was sort of like an accompaniment to something he was writing about in there. So we can scour it for possible clues. <laughs> Absolutely. I, and I wonder if all this is coming, uh, like, you know, the Duncan Egg, no, Duncan Egg novella stuff he's been doing for a while, but this specifically being a Dance of the Dragons, I really wonder if, um, like, all the Aegon stuff um, from book five onward, whatever it happens to be, has kind of opened up this backstory, all these backstories to him, and he's like, oh, I'd really like to write that, and I'd really like to write that, and he's kind of uh, been doing more because of that. Uh, I wonder if that character is, is a key to all this new stuff or not. I mean, I would absolutely think so. I feel like for the first four books, there wasn't very much about Baby Aegon, mm. and now there's like this, I mean, Interesting. you know, dance was a, was a huge shift in focus from him. And then I think one of the reasons why a lot of people were unhappy with dance is that instead of going on and continuing the stream and finishing or continuing some of the plot lines that he put down, he just goes and opens new ones, you know? Yeah. But- and I feel like this is, I mean, it's obvious, it has to lead somewhere. He can't write another new book with just new sort of unsourced plot lines. Mm. I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting because, I mean, I feel like it could because he's writing in a very, like, way the world works where there isn't, like beginning middle and end it's just kind of the world keeps going on and like new people come up and this and that and it's not like this is your set number of characters and there's nobody else in the world and nothing else can happen and there's no one else new you can meet because it's this self-contained bubble it's like he writes a real world where people will come in and out and have significance and not have significance and um it's it's really interesting how he does it that way um which makes me think the ending of the story is just going to be like, and the world went on. Like, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's great that he does that if the series were 30 books long, but <laughs> people are panicking because there's two more. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. But now that I'm thinking about it, uh, this is harking back to me just making that Aegon analogy. Dance of the Dragons and the Blackfriar Rebellion were two completely different things. Correct. Yeah, so everything I just said was completely wrong. So, <laughs> never mind everything that stupid Wait, Kyle you, was just saying. What do you mean? Like, all the stuff with Aegon, Aegon would harken back to all the Blackfire Rebellion stuff, not Dance of the Dragons. Oh, I thought you meant just, like, Targaryen in oh, general. Well, quite possibly. You could have just yes. pretended. That's what I meant, guys. I just meant Targaryen in general. See, I, I, I was just trying to fake you out. All right, what's you know, going on? Back to the chapter. There no. Have been, there have been so many like disputes in House Targaryen. I'm not really surprised that you mixed up the Blackfire Rebellion with the Dance of the Dragons because, I mean, let's be real. Doesn't that sound like something? Okay. Yes. Those yes. Like interchangeable names, right? Like the Blackfire Pretenders, just two two Targaryen bros fighting it out. <laughs> so, so off the top of your head, without looking up, Mimi, what was the Dance of the Dragons? 
that was uh, that was a struggle between um, Rain, not Rainus, Rhaenyra. Yeah, Rhaenyra okay, I'm going with you. And uh, and her brother Aegon. Aegon the second. Like, okay. Yeah, let's see. Wiki says, Dance of Dragons was a civil war during Targaryen rule, a war of succession between Aegon II and his oh, half-sister Rhaenyra over their father. Because it, like, it was after Aegon the Conqueror. Oh, is this like the second one? Okay, yeah. Yeah, Aegon II. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... <laughs> oh, God! And good night, everybody. Over their father Viserys the first throne, the war was fought from 129... AL to 131 AL. It saw the death of both rival monarchs and the crowning of Rhaenyra's son, Aegon III. So they weren't, um, the series was. So, well, Aegon the second. The series was their father. Over their father, yes, their father. But this was, a hundred. I mean, 129 AL, this was 129 years after Aegon I, Aegon the Conqueror. Oh. Is that right? Aegon the second. It took 129 years for Aegon II to come around. Well, I guess it would be yeah. earlier than that since he was probably older. But it took like 100 years for Aegon to come around. I thought it was like I thought it was after the succession of like I thought it was trying to figure out the succession after Aegon won. But clearly, shocking lack of knowledge. Um, I thought that made sense to me because then there was a struggle for the monarchy, and I thought it was kind of early. But apparently, that's not the case. Hmm. Aegon had his two sister wives, and he apparently had no problems because he had a son named. Oh man, is it really Anus? Anus Targaryen? There's an Anus ty- Targaryen? A E N Y S. A E N Y S. That's just. That's poor planning. I'm, I'm sure there's a better way to pronounce it. This guy kind of looks like an Anus. I haven't come up with it yet. So Anus had um, Targaryens, and he was the first one. So. Sorry. Anus Targaryen. All right, okay, I'm done being 12. Let's get back to the discussion. There you go. So, yeah, then Jaehaerys, and then Viserys. It's just like all those names are fucking cyclical, you know? Yes. With Dany's grandfather being Jaehaerys. Um, and then, I guess, Viserys... Then he had Aegon too, and that's where everything happened. But yeah, I'm surprised it took a, it skipped that name skipped a couple of generations. Hmm. Very interesting. Several generations, actually, at least. So, so well, we're probably going to learn a lot more about it at the end of the episode when we read it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's cut all this out. So no, 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 no. Let's keep all that in. Let's do it. And now let's be real. I got the two people involved. I got their names correct, although I have no idea when they lived. Yeah, you. I, I wouldn't have been able to get that much. Targaryen history is like Greek to me. Oh, I spent a long time just sitting there trying to memorize the family tree. One day, oh. I was like, "I'll show you shocking lack of knowledge." No wonder you're single. No. <laughs> It would, it would explain many things. Um, so I guess what we're going to do uh, at the end of this episode is that we are going to do that um, read it, the reading of the excerpt. Um, so you guys can skip it, listeners, if you want to read it yourselves first without us having, um, having our horrible confusion about Targaryen lineage spoiling you at the end. <laughs> but I guess for the meat of the episode, uh, we are persevering onwards in our chapter rereads. dun dun are barreling through a clash of kings with impressive velocity, Kyle. We are. I mean, we're just flying through this thing. It's only been what, like three years? It's been three years or so. I mean, people were like, "So, what do you, what do you talk about on your podcast?" Like, yeah, the books. Yeah, haven't, haven't you read all of them already? It's like, yeah. What are you doing? Just, just 
you know, when we get done talking about them, we just go back through them again and talk about them some more. <laughs> yeah, everyone asks me, like, what do you talk about on it? I'm like, oh, we, we go over the books and we talk about the show and everything. They're like, yeah, the, the books have been out for a while, right? I was like, yep. It's like, what do you talk about then? It's like, the books. <laughs> like, like, for five years? And like, how do you talk about them? I'm like, there's so much stuff in them. You have to talk about it. Also, I like how I continuously add, like, just, oh, yeah, we've been podcasting for five years, when for one year, uh, we did nothing, so I'm, like, still adding it to my count, whatever. (laughs) The podcast still existed. People were still listening during that hiatus. Sorry, I was going to make some comment about how I wasn't listening during the hiatus. (laughs) But then I realized that some listeners have a problem with that, so. Yeah. I guess we'll just go ahead and start, and um, our first chapter that we're covering today in A Clash of Kings is Sansa Three. Well, now that now that we're gonna reread that, now that we're gonna read that little thing, maybe we won't even get to the second one. I don't know. We'll see. Let's see how long. Let's see how long this takes. Let's do it. So, so Sansa Three, A Clash of Kings. I don't have anything written, but I'm going to go into a deep voice and pretend like I have something epic to say. Which, by the way, I missed out on your previous chapter reread, the Caitlin one, but um, I found that one a pretty enthralling chapter. But the thing that I have qualms with is uh, is when Caitlin talked about how the siege um, that Ned had Ned participated in um, at Storm's End during Robert's Rebellion when uh, Mace Tyrell was laying siege to Storm's End. Yeah, it got... Ned strolls in and is like, don't worry, I got this. Yep. Um, she's like, yeah, but when Ned was doing it, it was bloodless. I was like, dude, no. Like, Stannis was trying to eat his dead, so I'm pretty sure some people died. <laughs> no, no, no. Stannis was not trying to eat his dead, and that's actually mentioned in the next... in in, in the second chapter today. That they did not eat their dead. They held off. They did not, but Maester Crescent was like, could not wait to get at that, uh, to get at that succulent man meat. Oh, yeah, but he couldn't get there because of his hips. <laughs> I just, like, I think that Maester Crescent, like, the more I read about him, not that there's a lot mentioned about him after the prologue. <laughs> I was like, man, what a cool dude. Like, what a good way to save some bros from the catapult. Wait, what did he do? Explain yeah, it to me. Well, because uh, because Stannis was trying to um, send Sir Gawain Wild to the catapults because he and his bros were like sneaking out, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna surrender. Like, there's no food." Oh yeah. Um, and then Stannis caught him and was like, "Oh, you want to go out there? That's cool. We'll send you by catapult." No, that didn't yeah. happen. That was a thing. No, 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 no. You gotta read. No, no. The next chapter talks all about this, and they didn't weren't gonna catapult him. They were gonna fling him over. They were gonna hang him from the wall. They were gonna catapult him. No, and there was a different maester. I think I don't think it was so Crescent. It might have been a different maester. There's a different maester who who. Uh, who said, uh, no, 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 we might have to eat them. Was Don't... it a different maester? I thought it was Chris, and maybe it's just because I love Chris so much. Um, I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, that's in the next chapter. I don't remember who it was. But uh, it comes around the point where um, where Catelyn's like, oh, 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 no, excuse me, Renly's like, uh, one of Renly's men is like, well, what if Stannis surrenders? And Renly's like, come on, you um, really think he's going to surrender? By what? the way, I looked this up, and they were definitely ordered. Uh, Stannis definitely ordered them flown from the walls using catapults. And as they were being strapped down, Maester Crescent suggested they not send them to their deaths. 
Oh. Because there was no need to waste good meat. Whatever. You're reading from a false source. <laughs> a wiki of ice and fire. <laughs> which has propelled every podcast episode to date. What do they know? We've never taken any information from that site before. <laughs> Only Tower of the Hand. That's right. So speaking of Tower of the Hand, please continue our chapter reread. <clears throat> what happened in this chapter? Let's see. So, in this chapter... Sandor escorts Sansa to see Joffrey, who is shooting cats with a crossbow. Joffrey proceeds to have Sansa stripped and beaten by the Kingsguard, until Tyrion shows up to save her and take her away and knock Joffrey down a peg or two. Tyrion then takes Sansa back to the Tower of the Hand, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he's going to have her room guarded and protect her from Joffrey throughout the night. And she finally persuades him to let her go back to her room. So not too much epic happening in this chapter, but uh, let's discuss. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it, in contrast to the previous chapter, um, I, I don't feel... <laughs> You're so like sad I, you didn't get to talk about that one, Mimi. It was sad. I was going to talk about T.S. Eliot forever. Um, no, I think just sort of the Sansa chapter is pretty straightforward in the things that have happened, so there's not, I don't think there's a significant amount of subtext in it. Um, but, except for the first paragraph where it's clear that her boobs are coming in. Yes, I certainly noticed that. Definitely. Kyle has all the boob-related subtext. Her dress is tight across her chest. So this is the aftermath of, uh, Rob's victory, huh? It is, yes, and uh, once again, because we never see Rob in Clash of Kings, this, uh, it was a victory that happened off off screen. Um, so we we learn about it here. Is this the first time we're hearing about this victory? At uh, which which victory was this? This Against, was uh, Stafford Lannister at Oxcross, I believe. Yes, so Stafford Lannister's host at the village of Oxcross, and of course the Lannisters all pretend like uh, they're they're all saying, "Oh, your brother was evil, and his warg army and all these wargs came and they ate us and everything." And we eventually learn from Tyrion that no, the wolf was there, obviously. Grey Wind was there, and he was just running amongst the horses and the men and everything, and so. Um, there's a great quote in there about about this lie, and I'm going to find it. Ah, Tyrion tells him, Sorcery is the sauce fool's spoon over failure to hide the flavor of their own incompetence. And I that gave me a good laugh when I read that, because it's, it's so damn true. It's like, when you don't want to seem like a fool, you just pretend whatever happened was just this thing you couldn't control. It was so magic and epic that you had no choice but to fail. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty cool quote that he gave, and um, but um, but yeah, we see uh, we see Sanchez, Sansa's future husband come in and uh, and help out the uh, the poor girl, which was kind of nice to see. And Tyrion is such an interesting character. Sometimes you just like, oh, what an asshole, and other times you're like, yes, he's here, he's here to save the day. <laughs> Well, let's be real, none of us really thought Tyrion was an asshole until book five. Well, I don't... Uh, I don't know. I still don't think he was an asshole. I think he was just drowning his sorrows in booze. Man, so. get over it. You guys were together for two weeks. Yeah, but he killed his dad, too. That'll fuck you up. That's true. Daddy issues. Yes. How that feel? Absolutely. Yeah, see? <laughs> um, why are you no doctor award? Um... <laughs> Good impression of my dad. <laughs> you like it? He's, he's sipping some Chianti and, and, 
and speaking in broken English to you. Actually, I haven't even talked to my dad about that. I'll have to check in with him. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's weird because it's amazing to me that Joff at no point feels fucking stupid for explaining the battle the way that he does. Okay, using some vile sorcery, and also, your bros ate my people. Like, that's so stupid. I mean, I just feel like explaining a battle like this is incredibly ridiculous. Yeah. I always have to remember that he's not as old as uh, Jack Gleason in Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's what? Still, like, 14 or something? Something like that, which makes it even creepier that he wants to beat and strip this girl. Um, I don't know that he necessarily has an idea, like a really a sexualized idea behind the stripping. So I I was reading about this um, a couple of weeks ago the the concept of sociopathy in children, and I, w- I was reading a comment on Jezebel from this uh, from this parent who has a child who's four, and he's already beginning to sexually assault people uh wait four years old and he's sexually assaulting people four years old and she is he punching his mom in the vagina what is he doing what like legitimate sexual assault like uh with his adopted sister what he's like yeah oh that is creepy i mean she it was really it was really heart-wrenching that she was talking about i mean he you know she adopted him from the foster home and not to be spilling all her business on this podcast but uh she mentioned it in a public forum but there were a lot of people asking her questions, and she was explaining that her son, I mean, she knew that he had these like these uh, elements of sociopathy in his personality because he was sexually assaulting kids and very much, like, knowingly what he was doing, going after kids with, like, most accessible clothing and cornering his sisters and just doing these things that weren't sexual because he's four, but he knows that it, it makes people feel powerless and hurts them. And that's what he was intending to do, as he explained to his mother. Like, so that level of, like, assault is kind of what I mean. I really think, especially when I read Joff's chapters, I mean, there are times where I feel like he just was very, very poorly raised. But then there are also things that he does, which is, like, incredibly sociopathic, you know, shooting cats with his crossbow. And the thing that he does to Sansa here just kind of reminds me of that. It's, It's not about sex. It's about humiliation and asserting power and, you know... It is, but he has that particular line where he says, uh, don't touch her face, I like her pretty. And it, and if it weren't for that line, I'd totally be like, yeah, he's just, you know, he just wants to exert his power and just abuse her and humiliate her and everything. But, but like, the pretty line, it's just, I, did, I don't know how to take that. Because yeah, you often... Like that was more, more of him not having to answer to his mom or anyone else in court about what he's doing to her. Oh, you think so? You think that uh, he thinks his mom won't find out if her face isn't bruised or anything i mean it's entirely plausible i really doubt that you know the uh his bros and his Kingsguard are gonna go tell on him to cersei hmm. i mean he might have exerted that sort of control over them yeah. um i don't know if there's a ton of other people witnessing possibly but i also feel like well, you know having sansa go to court and have her face unblemished and all of her bruises hidden under her clothes is maybe just a little more yeah, I'm but calculating on his part. But her handmaidens are all selected by Cersei. I mean, her handmaidens. True. So they'd certainly see her without her clothes on and everything. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't. But you know, Book Joffrey was a little more, um, a little more obedient. He was. Mother. Yes. He was, he was less confrontational with his mother. So. Certainly, because when Tyrion makes a threat later on, he's like, "Oh, you want your mom here? Okay, let's go get her." Joffrey's like, "No, never mind. I don't want to." 
do. Yeah, what's Cersei gonna do? She's just gonna come over and congratulate you on whatever yeah. disgusting thing you just did. <laughs> That's what's my there? baby boy. You're so adorable. You just beat that girl. Oh. <laughs> did you beat her all by yourself? Oh, no, mommy. I had my Kingsguard do it. Just as you should. Which is just as fucked up because he has these grown men beating this little girl. Um, and the fact that they do it without even thinking just, ugh, it, it just disgusts me in just this deep, dark place inside me that I'm just like, this is just nasty. I can't. It's ugh. so weird, too, because you, you hear about the King's Guard and about how they're just the greatest knights in the Seven Kingdoms. And these dudes are just like, just. It's, it's such an awful position. I don't know if I'd ever want it because you'd get people like the Mad King and like Joffrey who are like, kill these people, do this to these innocent people. And you're like, oh, my job's to do what the king says what do i do and oh it's i ne- i don't envy those guys i don't know i um, think the king's guard is to guard the king and not to be his tool of terrorism you yeah know? but you you listen to what the king says i mean you just you gotta i don't know i know but it's crazy but in comes uh the, the real white knight um Tyrion, um who saves her and that's uh that's pretty awesome he just uh, i like i like sansa's so bright uh, Joff's like, I shot the loudest one right through the throat. <laughs> like, and he died? <laughs> oh, Sansa. Uh, well, yeah, well, she was so flustered. He even says it in there. I didn't even know what to think. I just said the first thing that came to my mind. She knew. She knew as she was saying it that it was stupid. <laughs> um, but she just couldn't help herself. And um, it's so awful this whole time because it's such a... I, I know she's just she's just saying the words and she doesn't mean them, but every time she's like, oh no, I love Joffrey, he's the greatest man ever, it's such like a Stockholm Syndrome type of thing, but oh, yeah. I know I know mentally she's not there, but the words that come out of her mouth um, are, and oh, it's, it's just so traumatizing, it's so, just even to me, the reader, I can't imagine her being in her position. Oof. Yeah, it's... Mm. It's pretty stressful, but, you know, Dantos, like, coming to save the day with his melon morning star. <laughs> oh, I love drunk Dantos. He just, yeah, and he, he, he comes in and he helps. He, tried. he tries to help her instead of getting beaten by, you know, the, the guards with their swords and everything. He comes around and he's like, let me just hit her on the head with a melon. Yay! And for a minute, you think it's going to work. And then Joffrey's like, not amused. Get the out of here guards she's covered in melon juice and beaten oh yeah that's the thing she's red and melony um <laughs> so yeah Tyrion comes in and at this point i would have expected sansa to be a lot more like my hero but she's still very just like oh i don't trust this dude oh um nope. but and you know i just gotta say this because ashley's not here with us tonight the hound stepped in before Tyrion did Ooh, did he well vocally he said enough he did? When? I didn't. I don't remember that. Said she soon lost count of the blows. Enough, she heard the hound rasp. No, it isn't, the king replied. Or I make her naked. Ah, so, I see. Um, I mean, he could have done a little bit more than that, but just the mere fact that he spoke up. Yeah, which is more than anybody else did. I mean, save Tyrion. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then when Tyrion says, somebody cover her up, the hound rips off his cloak, like, immediately and puts it on her. Do you think if Tyrion hadn't walked in on that scene that the hound would have done something? Ooh, um, I, you know, I don't think he would have, personally. I know Ashley probably has a different theory of him running off with her into a sunset, but... 
I don't think. I don't think he would have done anything. I think it could I kind of would have continued unless Joffrey was like, "Let's cut a finger off." Or if he had taken it to another extreme, mm-hmm. then that's a whole different story and I think the hound might have done something. But if she was just, you know, getting um this brutal spanking all over her body, um I figured I figured the hound would uh would step in the way he did at, you know, Joffrey's name day tourney with a lie. Just been like, you know, Joffrey, for every finger you cut off from a woman, you'll lose three yourself, <laughs> say, or something, you know? True. Like, something to distract him. He would have come like, up with something. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> nothing nothing outright defiant. Yeah. But certainly something to protect Sansa, I think he would have tried. Um, but Tyrion steps in, and uh, and Sansa, oh yeah, Sansa, where's his cloak? Yep. And it is rough, but the finest thing she's ever worn. Oh. Be still, my beating heart. <laughs> I, um, I just love the way that Tyrion talks to Joffrey, because as I was reading this chapter the first time, I was like, that is exactly what I would have said to him. I would have told him he had the wits of a goose, too. Like just. Oh, oh that's what you would have said? <laughs> you have the wits yeah. of a goose. Yes, the wits of a goose. Well, you know, just kind of like... He's like Eris Targaryen did as he liked. Has your mother ever told you what happened to him? Harumph. Just uh, little threats like that, you know? Clever threats, I think. Yeah. No, he, uh, Tyrion's good at really walking that tightrope of, mm-hmm. I'm not threatening the king, I'm educating my nephew. <laughs> and then threatening the king's guard, and, um, yeah. He, he does a, he does a good job. I mean, he has the power behind him. He has, uh, he has a sellsword, and he has the the um, which one is it? Shaga? No. Timmet. Timmet. Yes, he has Timmet with him as well. So interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- I think it's interesting that you know Tyrion tells him like wanton brutality is no way to win your people's love or your queen's. And I, you know, obviously Joff doesn't take the lesson, but considering his marriage to Marjorie and how minimally traumatic that was, as far as we know from the books, maybe I don't know. Maybe he learned from that. Mm. He was nicer to Marjorie. I just think uh, Marjorie wasn't as fun to play with because she wasn't as submissive. Right, and I, there's also, I guess there would be really no reason for Joffrey to be upset with Marjorie or take out his anger on her. Yeah. No conflict to their family, clearly. I mean, if he is as sociopathic as I think he is, he would have found a reason to be horrible to her. But it seems from what we read... Um, and I guess some of the things that we saw on the TV show, although I'm well aware that's not canon, but it seemed to show that they had a pretty good relationship because she played him. Played him. Like a fiddle. Like a crossbow, really. Like a crossbow. Like a fancy, ornate crossbow. So, uh, Tyrion takes her. Um, or I guess Ron and Timmet uh, brought Sansa. Mm-hmm. Um, into Tyrion's protection and maids uh, took care of her. Yep, and Tyrion goes on to explain why she was getting beaten. Um, talking about Rob's victory since Joffrey wasn't nice to enough to explain what had happened. But uh, but Rob, yeah, he defeated Stefan Lannister at Oxcross. At the Oxcross battle. And uh, took out a whole bunch of Lannisters. Who sounds like they weren't prepared at all. They didn't even have out outriders like keeping watch. They were just asking for it, so. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, like, right within his own lands, right? 
Was he? Is Oxcross? Because uh, this was just over near Lannisport, I believe, right? Yeah, close to Lannisport. So I'm, I guess I, I could, I mean... Yeah, but this is war. Come on, you don't just sit there, n- nobody looking out at night. Like, that's just dumb. That's just stupid. Sure, I'm, I assume most of them fled. Mm. But uh, slain in the battle were Rupert Brax, Sir Lyman Vic- Vickery, v- Vickery. Oh, I've never heard of that guy before. Roland Craycall and Lord Ant- Antaro Jast. Oh, and Martin Lannister was captured. Oh, so the, the kid we were just talking about. <laughs> the new Tommen was captured. <laughs> nice. Um... Oh, I'm sorry. Antonio Jast and Martin Lannister. Those were the two that were captured. Excuse me. They, uh, oh, what's Jast... really weird to me is that, like, um, she she refers to him as Tyrion Lannister in the imp, but at this point, like, af- after she asks him, then there was no sorcery, she says, says, Lannister snorted. It's really weird to hear him referred to by his last name. Lannister snorted. Yeah. It they is. They usually call him Dor for, like, Tyrion or something, but... It's really interesting, or the imp, you know, but hearing him referred to by his last name is a little odd. I don't think he does that. I don't think George does that very frequently. Yeah, that is interesting. Maybe uh, because it's from Sansa's point of view, maybe she's just having a moment of, this guy ain't so bad because he just saved me, so I won't call him an imp. Oh, it could just be that she sees him as a Lannister, but nobody else does in his later chapters, you know? Yeah. Or no one else really. I mean, that's his whole identity crisis, right? It's not being as legitimate as his twins because of his uh, disfigurement. Yes. So. so there's a question in here. Uh, the only thing the Lannisters don't know about the battle um, was how Rob bypassed the Golden Tooth. Is that something we learn later on? How did he do that? Does it matter? Hmm. Do we know the battle plan? Where's Amin when we need him? Right. Um, but yeah, the Lannisters are like, how does, we don't know how he got past that, but otherwise he kicked our ass. So, and the Golden Tooth is a castle in the Westerlands that I guess he just had to, obviously, get past. So, I don't really know too much about that one. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at an interactive map right now. Because where is... He's at River Run, right? So he's got to come down between... He's got to go, like, southwest between a couple mountain ranges and has to go right through the Golden Tooth to get... to head towards Lannisport area. So, I don't know exactly where Oxcross is, but... Oh, 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 here we go. Uh, Clash of Kings. An army under the command of Rob Stark circumvented the Golden Tooth and the passage it blocks by using a dangerous mountain path found by his direwolf, Greywind. Ah. King Rob leads his army into the Westerlands and descends upon Lannister hosts, annihilating them at Oxcross. Three days ride from Lannisport. Okay, so they found a mountain pass. Interesting. Very 300. Were we informed of this in the books? Uh, we must have, because it is on Wiki of Ice and Fire, which we never listen to. <laughs> um, but I guess I mean I guess up until now, up until this chapter, was that something that was revealed to us? Because I don't think that we got an account of the Battle of Box Cross. Possibly later, though. I can't recall at this moment, but um, very interesting. Uh, Mean would be so ashamed of us right now. I know he would be. He would be. But, you know, he, he's there for the military strategies and memorizing all of the battles. And I'm here to pretend I know something about the Targaryen lineage, but get it all wrong. <laughs> and you're here to look for a subtext about boobs. About boobs, yes. Mm-hmm. It was cross across her, it was tight across her chest. 
We all serve our purpose. <laughs> Any boob reference in this book, I will find it. You got it. You I, I am. It. Oh, I am on top of it. All right. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> so. So yes, that all happens, and then we see a little. Um, Tyrion gives in a little bit to Sansa here, and he's like, "All right, you don't want to stay here because your sister was here, and it reminds you of your dad dying oh, and everything." So. We'll take you back to your room. Let me read this description of Tyrion again. Does it have boobs in it? She stared at the dwarf's brutal, bulging brow, the hard black eye and the shrewd green one, the crooked teeth and wiry beard. What about that describes Peter Dinklage at all? You know know what? Oh, well. He's too handsome. He's a handsome dude. But Oh, well. You know what? I would rather have a good-looking short guy who can act... Than an ugly short guy who can't act, you know. Uh, don't don't be hating on the ugly short guys. Maybe they can act too. Yeah, maybe they can. But I want one who can act. That's the important part of that. It's so hard, like looking at Peter Dinklage and thinking that he's like this character that everyone scorns because, like, he's so adorable and like handsome and like I don't. Why? Why would anybody like? treat him like subhuman no i can i can understand it because he is a dwarf because he's and and any abnormality back then was probably just like oh my god you're a circus freak like so the fact that he is a little guy just you know that's 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 reason enough for him to just for his dad to hate him and his sister to hate him and everything at least for me spent so much time marveling at how incredibly ugly Tyrion was you know, on their wedding night, he's his dick out, and she's like, he's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. I can't find a single redeeming quality in him. But he has a magnificent penis. She did not say that. But I just, you know, that level of, like, ooh, about him. You remember you remember when, um, actually, you weren't on the podcast, but we did a cover art critique of all the foreign editions of Song of Ice and Fire books? I remember the camel toe. You remember the camel toe? Uh, I don't know if you listened to that episode or not, but there's one where Tyrion just looks like this ridiculous, creepy baby on like some Japanese cover. Oh yes, 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 I do remember that. Mm-hmm. I mean, something on that level, looking at you on your wedding night, like that makes sense when you're like, oh god. Well, what? everything looks creepy in anime, except for hentai girls. They're pretty sexy, but. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I just read that, and I just saw. I just saw Gimli crossed with a Psyduck or something, you know? Just With Gimli and a Psyduck mated, they would have Tyrion Lannister. But anyway, go ahead, continue on. <laughs> Let's see. Um, no, and that, that pretty much brings us to the end of the chapter after letting, uh, have, after being like, okay, we'll take you back to your room. So he wants her to be protected and, and comfortable. So. And I think... You know, this really just underscores how, no matter, despite Tyrion saving her, and despite you know him offering to protect her, and and really offering up this thing that, as as the readers, we're like, yes, you want Tyrion to take care of you. He is not like the others. But from her perspective, she is so traumatized by everything that's happened that she trusts literally nobody, and it's well, she trusts her Dantos, which is a little naive of her, but. I think in in contrast to, you know, book one, where she was like, the queen is so pretty, and just, you know, just about that, like, court life, it's it's really nice to see her do this total 180 and just be incredibly wary of every single person. Hmm. Absolutely. Why are there so many birds in the background? 
That it's totally me. Those are my little birds. They're just telling me secrets of Los Angeles. It's seven o'clock. You know the sun's going down. They okay. come out in the morning and they come out at night. I apologize. They're my little mm-hmm. babies. <laughs> no, I, I moved rooms in my house and now I'm closer to them. Unfortunately, so sorry about that. That's alright. <laughs> I forgive you just this once. Why are there so I, many guess, I guess that wraps up our Sansa chapter, and you know, I feel I feel like I should apologize because it wasn't a particularly uh, action-filled chapter, as just full of um, domestic abuse. But ah, <laughs> oh, darn, shucks. Yeah, um, you know what? Like I said, it's, it's a lot more straightforward than some of the other stuff that happens, especially Absolutely. in the next chapter when there's plenty to talk about. But. Do you want to move on to our impromptu coverage of uh, the princess and the queen? I think we should do that. I think we should take a uh, like a little ten minute break as we read it or so. Hopefully, I can read it in ten minutes. You're much faster than I am. I'm but already I, done. Well, oh, sweet Moses. Okay, Johnny Five. Um, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's pause. Let's come back and let's discuss it. Okay. Sound good? Listeners, uh, this would also be a good time for you to stop in the middle of the freeway while you're listening to this on your commute and uh, pull up that excerpt, which is available on tour.com. Also possibly some other places, but I'm looking at it on tour. It is titled Dangerous Women, The Princess and the Queen, or The Blacks and the Greens excerpt. All right, guys, so we just read the excerpt of the Princess and the Queen or the Black and the Greens from the Dangerous Women Anthology. And uh, what would you think, Mimi? Um, I thought it was it was very interesting, actually. This is the closest we've seen the Dance of the Dragons, right? <laughs> or the furthest away we've seen. with da- Oh, Dance of the Dragons. Sorry, I was thinking that you were talking about the fifth book. Um, yeah, it, it is. Um, it's just really cool. I actually don't know much information at all about uh, the dance. And so this was all pretty, pretty interesting. Um, yeah, and it was something that's been mentioned previously before. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, and we we understood from previous books that you know it was a struggle between two Targaryens fighting over the uh, who would be the rightful ruler, um, as the Targaryens tend to do. <laughs> nah. So we have we have Viserys the first, who's the king, who's the dying king, mm-hmm. and Rhaenyra is his eldest daughter, possibly yeah. only child from his first marriage. Um, yes. And then his second marriage, uh, his queen, uh, Viserys' queen, who is still alive, their eldest son, Viserys. So it's a battle between that. It's the eldest daughter of the first marriage and the eldest son of the second marriage. Second and existing marriage. Um, That's pretty neat. So... So do we want to talk about, do we want to just go, like, dive headfirst into this? Are we trying to just skim it? Are we talking about details? What do you want to talk about? Um, well, I guess I guess we can get into details, assuming that the listeners have pulled over and read this yes. in their entirety. <laughs> if you guys haven't read the excerpt yet, the, what's coming up may not make any sense to you. You may not even want to listen to it. But, uh, yeah, I think we're going to talk in detail about this little excerpt. So, so be prepared. Spoilers ahead. Okay. 
So I guess this really, as you mentioned before, this was written by the Archmaester um, Gildane of the Citadel of Old Town. And I, I like the voice that he wrote it in, transcribed by George R. R. Martin. But he talks about how essentially the Dance of the Dragons, it's a flowery name, but uh, the actual period, that time period um, from 129 AC to 131 AC uh, was horrible. And just dark, turbulent, bloody doings. Wait, they're calling it AC here. Is that the same as AL? Um, after conquest, I would assume. Yeah, after conquest and after landing, I guess. Right. Or Aegon's landing. Um, okay, so same mm-hmm. thing. So, the principal claimants, of course, to the Iron Throne upon the death of King Viserys Targaryen was his daughter, as you said, Rhaenyra, uh, who was the only child from his first marriage. And I believe his first marriage was to um, some... Someone from House Aaron. Some chick. No. Um. And then he remarried to um, to a woman from the Hightower family, and uh, she gave him um, the uh, her eldest son Aegon, Aegon II. Okay. And Kyle and I still cannot believe that it took that long for a second Aegon to happen. <laughs> took a hundred and change years to make a second Aegon, which is crazy. Because then they just started coming like crazy. Within the next two generations, where we have Aegon three and Aegon four. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Um, let's see, so yes, uh, this goes in and just sort of summarizes the fact that the dance basically split the Seven Kingdoms in two. Um, as people declare for one side or the other. Again, like, Blackfire Rebellion, just pretty much Yeah, concept. but this is very interesting, because, I mean, he goes right into it about how, uh, you know, dragons still existed during this, unlike the Blackfire Rebellion, um, mm-hmm. so that these this civil war was, uh, a lot of it took place in the air, and not just on sea and land, but actually dragons fighting dragon, and yeah. the ma- just the mass killings that that dragons uh can do is i can't I, I can't even imagine how many people died during all of this it's wild and it goes into saying that the targaryen power was greatly diminished after this war because um, just so many targaryens were killed dragons absolutely and uh just even the fact that sorcery not even just the magic of dragons had such a part to do with it you know stealth murder betrayal a war fought in shadows and stairwells, knives, lies, and poison. So it was just, it was very, like, um, mm. seemed rife with sorcery. And yeah, just pitting dragons against one another. You guys have the most valuable creatures in existence. Why would you make them kill each other? <laughs> it's all for the power. It's all for that throne, the rule. That's what oh. it is. Um. You read about Targaryen history, and you're like, you bitches had it coming to you. <laughs> Like, you were so cool, and you had all this shit, and all you guys did over several generations was, like, fight with your siblings. How many Targaryens do you think there were before the the dance? It, sa- it makes it sound like they were just everywhere. Well, they said there were lots of usurpers and pretenders, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, well, when... Yeah, during the battle, when uh, Rhaenyra and Viserys were battling each other, uh, new... Excuse me. Uh, new people showed up. And they were like, well, I can fight for the crown, too. And then they they got killed. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I guess, you know, uh, the series had, like, like four kids with um, Alice and Hightower. Aegon, too, just being the oldest. So, hmm. I mean, that might have been part of it, might not have been. I yeah. don't know. But it seems like, yeah, it seems like the family tree was pretty expansive at that point because... Um, 
you know, Aegon had his kids with one sister, and then he had, you know, the kids with Rhaenys that that line descended from, hmm. the original Aegon. And then, not to mention, there was a Baratheon line, too, that was involved in the very first Targaryen family tree, so... Yep. At the very top of the family tree. Hmm. So it seems like in this story that uh, Viserys has the clear advantage because they're actually living in King's Landing as Rhaenyra is actually off uh, taking care of Dragonstone, uh, Targaryen ancestral home. But uh, so it seems like the queen and Viserys had the advantage because they're there, right there. They've got the seat of power uh, at King's Landing, and but immediately people start saying upon the king's death, they're like, oh well, we got to. Tell the princess that she got to come to the capital and claim her throne. And so you've already got that. Um, it, it's a good thing that she had people loyal to her at, in King's Landing at the time. Because it's a very, like, Jamie sat on the throne right after he killed the Mad King. And it was like, he could have just kind of kept it because he was already there. Um, yeah, and it was, it was interesting knowing that Queen Alicent and all of her, all of her bros, the Greens, um, had already been anticipating, you know, the king's death and was very much ready to put this plan in action um because obviously the question of succession had been around yes she didn't talk she didn't it doesn't sound like she talked to too many people about it though no and (laughs) i i did think it was great that like finally finally we get some more information about sir Kristen cole lord commander of the king's guard now we'd heard him mention in feast for crows and i believe it was um believe it might have been your bro, Eris Oakhart. Oakhart mentioned? mentioned. Um, that, I mean, he, Kristen Cole was mentioned in Feast um, because they called him Kristen the Kingmaker. And, uh, oh, that's right. About how he had made that decision. He was the Kingmaker, and so kind of going back and realizing that he was the pivotal character um, who had a big part in sort of setting up the dance was, uh, was kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I, I knew I had heard the name before, but I forgot that uh, he had been crowned the king, you know, called the Kingmaker. Yeah, Very just, interesting. it's really interesting over over this long, long period of time in history where you get these uh, get these Lord Commanders, especially just members of the King's Guard whose reputation, whose nicknames precede them. Hmm. But he was also, is it said in here, he was the Hand of the King? No, her father, Queen Alicent's father, Otto Hightower, was Hand of the King. Was, uh, was Hand of the King, okay, I see. Yeah. Cole I was Lord Commander. Uh, then you had the Grand Maester, Orwell, uh, the Master of Coin, Beesbury. Remember, we heard a lot about the Beesburys. Back the Beesburys. The <laughs> what happened to them? Hmm. We didn't hear about them in the books proper, but they were tons of Beesburys in the novellas. It's so interesting how there there were all these big houses, and now we don't really know of them. And um, it's really assume, neat. Assume Tywin just went back in time and destroyed them all. Just destroyed everybody who pissed him <laughs> off. <laughs> and then um, we've got Sir Tylan Lannister, Master of Ships, and uh, Larys Strong, who was Lord of Harrenhal, Master of Whispers. Uh, he had a club foot, so it's good to know that Master of Whispers is always long-term <laughs> role for uh, physically disadvantaged people. <laughs> They've got to learn how to whisper, otherwise. What use are they? And uh, Jasper Wilde, called Ironrod, <laughs> Master of Laws. Who was the Master of Laws? In our time. I don't know, but Iron Rod, he should be Master Whores with that name. <laughs> um, Master of Laws is... Who is the Master of Laws? Was it Stannis? No, he was Ships, right? Because I know that Cersei had renamed it like just as 
Justicar. Lord Renly Baratheon, who served his brother Robert the First under Robert's death. That's what Renly was doing. His master of laws. Yep. Do shit. It was uh, Sir Tristan Massey, who served Aegon the Conqueror, Renly Baratheon, who served his brother Robert, Kevin Lannister, appointed after Lannister oh, yeah. victory well, in the we, Battle we of Blacklister. And, and then after Tywin's death, uh, Cersei renames the office the Justicar. Just, Justicar. Huh. And um, and then uh, Randall Tarley. Yeah, that's right. Orton Merriweather was uh, who she brought onto the small council. Yeah. I just, uh, but I remember him being handed the king. Um, so I guess who? Merriweather. Oh, okay. So I forgot that he had this brief stint as master of laws, which I assume is a bullshit position because nobody really even talks about it. Yeah, nobody. I mean, come on, Renly had the position. How good can it Whatever. be? Right. <laughs> um, and we also get all the names of the Kingsguard, and I thought it was cool that there are twins on the Kingsguard. Oh, this is Eric and Eric. Yeah, there's Eric and Eric. Do you remember fucking like a... Sansa talking about these twins? No, I don't. Yeah, okay, so she talks about how Sir Eric and Eric cried when they killed each other. Really? And yeah, she mentioned, I think she mentioned this. I, I think it was in a Sansa chapter, but... Oh, so they must have died in this dance. They must have chose different sides. Yeah, they had, they obviously, because one of them was with, uh, with the princess, and the other one was on the council when Queen Alicent was calling for Aegon to be crowned. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so I remember this because Sansa um, was telling Joffrey, because Joffrey was giving Tom and shit, going, like, princes don't cry. And she's like, well, the King's Guard, like Sir Eric and Eric, they cried when they killed each other. <laughs> I remember that. So romantic. Um, they supposedly had tears on their cheeks when they gave each other their mortal wounds. So that house no longer around. They're probably the last two bros left in it. Last two bros. Um, but we don't know. I can't find out who was on what side. Um, well, I again, I thought that Sir Eric with the E was with Rhaenyra on Dragonstone, so I don't see him siding with Aegon. Is that... Does it say that there? Oh, yes, because... Uh, yeah, because he was only five of the seven were present at King's Landing at the time, so the other two must have been mm-hmm. at Dragonstone. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah. So. so the two that weren't there were Sir Eric and Sir Laurent Marbrand. Also a dead house. Also no, dead. wait, no, Adam Marbrand. I forgot about him. Never <laughs> mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, so yes, then Queen Alicent, obviously, um, pulling for her son. Obviously. Uh, but, you know, Grand Maester had started out the meeting basically just saying, we need to send a raven to Dragonstone to inform Rhaenyra. Her Grace the Queen. I mean, it was very clear to him at that time that, you know, Rhaenyra would obviously be there. And then, of course, Otto Hightower cuts him off as Alicent's father and as Aegon II's grandfather and says it has to be a king. So hmm. it was interesting. Beesbury spoke on behalf of Princess Rhaenyra, you know, just because Rhaenyra is older than her brothers and had more Targaryen blood. I mean, and this, and the Targaryens, they had. At this time, I don't believe that they'd ever had a female. Yeah, I was just thinking that too, because it doesn't seem like there are uh, how many. Yeah, how many Targaryen queens I mean, were there without more, without you know? kings? You know, it was Aegon and his unfortunately named son Anus. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm still laughing about that one. I know you are, and then Jaehaerys. 
And then I guess there was an unknown Targaryen in between Jaehaerys and Viserys. So, could have been a lady, but might not have been if this was... Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it might have been, but at this point, it doesn't seem like there was a lot of contention about her being female, right? No, it, do, it doesn't seem like it. It was more just a mom going, I want my son to be king. Right, exactly. Then going, no, a woman can't rule. <laughs> like, more importantly, that the series had chosen her as his successor. Yes, the king had chosen that, his daughter. Exactly, and he refused to name Aegon II as his heir, very clearly. <laughs> and, um, and that also most, like, lords and knights had like sworn fealty to the princess like you know 20 something years before yes very so, interesting and that's it, it feels pretty clear from this but maybe it was because of the archmaster writing this down but it seems pretty clear that Rhaenyra was the intended heir to the throne mm. um and even just by merit of being older you know you sound like you would side on the blackfire side of things well, I do side on the Blackfire side of things, but that's for a different reason because because Daron was um, wasn't Daron uh, designated as the successor by Aegon, the unworthy. Well, no, he gave Daemon the sword. He gave Daemon the sword, but that's that's pretty much the same as saying, "Look, you're the you're gonna be ruler next. Here's the sword." No, no, no. <laughs> He legitimized all his children, yep. but they were he put, put them all in succession, but behind his true-born son, Daron. Uh, I don't think he ever put them in any sort of order. He legitim... Oh my god, I hate this word. He legitimized... Oh, oof, I have a hard time with that one. He legitimized the bastards, and he gave the family sword to Damon. I don't think he ever went, here's a sword, but here's also a list of your succession order. He never did that. It's just crazy talk. But, um, yeah, it's interesting, because we don't... I mean, there was no sword given in this, but the king was like, yep, that's what's going on. But then Viserys has all the power, because he's got the throne there and everything. It's very... I'm very intrigued to see how this plays out. I, I, you know, I, I was all about Damon Blackfire, not just because he had a sword, but I just loved the idea of the rebellion. I just loved him just being like, yeah, I'm legitimized. So. Well, you anarchist, you. Off. Well, I mean, and also, I heard that Daron had a pot belly, so clearly not fit to leave. Yeah, that's exactly the legitimate son, uh, or the trueborn son, was not of princely material, of not of kingly material. But. But he was the trueborn son, eldest trueborn son. And then you had a guy who was kingly material. He was beautiful and handsome and knightly and everything. And then he gave him the sword. And that that was that's the that's the whole rebellion. That's how it started. Was he that handsome? Oh yeah. That's what they say. Yep. He was Targaryen, beautiful and everything. Well, you know, on the other hand, Daron, you know, he brought uh Dorne into the realm, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. He was Daron the Good. The unworthy son? Brought Dorne into the realm? Yes. Sorry, that was a really long pause. I wanted to make sure I didn't get him confused with another day, Ron. But yeah, he uh, he continued, like, I don't know. They don't talk about his pot belly in the wiki, but I swear someone talked about it at some point. Hmm. Um, oh, wait, no, no, never mind. They do point out his small pot belly and his thin legs. But um, <laughs> apparently he was just like, I don't know, the people who opposed him thought he kept too much company with maesters. Um, thought maybe he was gay. 
but yeah, he brought he brought um, Mira Miriam Martell from Dorne, and he he married her, so brought Dorne into the kingdoms. And I think maybe at that time too, that's why everyone was so suspicious because he felt like his court was just full of maesters and Dornish people, and it like had gotten away from Targaryen rule. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, and then oh, there was a question of Daron's legitimacy, right? I don't so. believe was there. I thought oh maybe it was it was rumored that Daron was not Aegon the unworthy son, but a product of an illegitimate union between um, Aegon's wife and their other brother. So hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Oh, so da- so Daron brought Dorne into the realm after the rebellion. No, no. He uh, I believe he married Princess Maria before because then there there was all that discontent over his court being full of Dornish people. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was, like, past his 40s when he became king. But when he became king, as he became king, wasn't that the same the time the rebellion was going on? Well, no, he became king, and then the rebellion happened. He was already king. Oh, I kind of just assumed it was, like, it just, right after the unworthy died... And legitimized his heirs. No, it was some time after. It just sort of split. And after he legitimized them, it was some time after that before Damon rose up. Oh, interesting. But, um, because at that point, I mean, he there was discontent in the realm because Daron, you know, he had his Dornish wife, and then he was marrying his younger sister Daenerys to the Prince of Dorne. So then there was all this, you know, all this uh, just sort of un- disquiet, I guess, about the Dornish influence on the court. And that's really where I think uh, Damon Blackfire just kind of looked like a better option. Why did Damon, yeah, why did he wait so long? (laughs) (laughs) She's just been like, I got the sword, he's dead, follow me! I do feel like it's interesting, like, it's an interesting question of why Damon waited. Because the moment he was legitimized, I wonder if he could have just immediately started to try to seize the throne. But I also wonder if he was waiting for people to be unhappy with Daemon's rule so that he would have some backing. As soon as he gave me the sword and legitimized me, I would have been like, all right. Let's do this, guys. I'm the king. And also, maybe he didn't really think about it, but remember, like, Bittersteel and Quentin Ball? Oh. Like, should do it. Oh, that's true. Yes. Yeah, so da- Damon was probably such a, a nice guy, yeah, like a true knight, that he was like, no, I'm not the true born, even though I have the sword and I'm a legitimate child now. Well, like, then there's also that rumor that Damon was in love with um, Princess Daenerys. Oh my God! There's so much to it. So well, yeah, but you know, um, but, because da- da- um, Daron married uh, Dany Daenerys, the first Daenerys, I guess, mm-hmm. um, to the Dornish prince. Yes. And you know, on one hand, it was like let's solidify this union between us and Dorne some more, and then you've got Damon over here who has been in love with her, or maybe she loved him, or they were together, and he was so pissed about it he raised a rebellion. Would not be the first time somebody raised a rebellion over a girl, so. <laughs> Excellent. Well, but actually, might have been the first time. Might have been the first time. Yeah, but not the first time we've come across it in the books. Dun, dun, dun. But we're gonna, we're totally off topic now. We're, we should be talking about the Dance of the Dragons. I not... just want to talk about the Blackfire Rebellion forever, though. It's so cool for me. <laughs> it, just... it is cool. Oh, I love it. Anyway, um, I guess we've touched on what we needed to, though, of that excerpt, because it really ends with... Yeah the discussion in the small council it does the the biggest thing i heard about when i first posted this on our facebook page was uh some people were like i really don't like how it's an account written by the uh archmaester like people aren't feeling because it's definitely a different style than we're used to with george's song of ice and fire writings 
Yeah, it's it's different, but I think it it works. Um, it works from Martin's perspective. I mean, people who read Song of Ice and Fire don't realize that his voice does shift between the things that he writes. Like the Duncan Egg novellas are written very differently. Yes. I mean, not. It's maybe not so obviously different as like a, an account, you know, written from the Citadel, and it's still like a firsthand experience, you know. Mm. I guess third hand since you know it's written in third person through Dunk's perspective. But the writing, the voice of it is very different. It is very clearly Dunk's voice in those novellas. And then he develops this new voice writing as the Archmaester, who's just, um, is, is very kind of fussy, you know? Yeah. Very interesting. Very cool. I'm looking forward to it. Do we, do we know when this is coming out? When does it say? December 3rd. Oh. Another anthology to buy that I may Another or may not. anthology to, <laughs> to sit down with at Barnes & Noble and read for several hours. <laughs> Nice. Fantastic. Well, that was cool. Yeah. I'm glad we reached when we went over that. That was fun. Um, I'm glad you mentioned it. It was a fun detour. And unlike most of the times that we've done this on the podcast, it was a relevant detour. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't about Pokemon. That Actually, I'm quite sad about that. But I thought that was really interesting. So thank you for letting me know about that because I wasn't even aware. I hadn't been following the anthology stuff because I didn't want to accidentally read an excerpt of the next Duncan Egg novella. Um, I love those so much. I want to experience them from the beginning without speculating. So Absolutely. Certainly. All right. Well, I guess that about wraps it up for this episode, this um, very special episode of the podcast Device and Fire. And as always, uh, if you have feedback, please tweet us at APOIAF or find us on Facebook or drop us a line on the forums. I think that's all I have. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for listening. Have a good night, everyone.